whistleblower report exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. This is Dr. Lee for America here with another team of our whistleblowers who are bringing you the truth about the lies, deceptions, and all of the assaults on our way of life, your freedom, and your life. For such a time as this, we are here to bring you truth, hope, and solutions. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org, for medical help, legal help, and all of the other resources. Join us in our Faith Over Fear seminars each Tuesday night via Zoom at 8 o'clock Eastern Time every week. And now, here is your host for today. Welcome, everybody. I'm Mike Gary, your host for today's Whistleblower Report, and this is going to be another faith segment. And I've got a good show here for you today. We're going to be talking about the sanctity of life. And we're going to be talking about all the battles that are going on in the 50 states across America since Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Um, right now, before we get too much further, I'd like to start with a with a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, come before you this evening. We hope that we inspire people with some of this good information that my daughter, Anna Gary, will be bringing forward. We pray that uh, the youth will be energized in this country and be likely to turn the tide in this great awakening that's going on in this country. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as you know, I'm Major Mike Gary, 25 years of military service, 15 years of Seaburn, Cam Biorad nuclear uh, experience, hazmat technician qualified, and you know my background from many of these other whistleblower reports. But today, I want to bring forward uh, some information on the abortion battle that's going on and some of the interesting facts that I found. Dr. Vleet called me extremely excited about a new book that Jonathan Kahn had wrote, who he's the author of the book Harbinger. Well, he's got a new book out that's called The Josiah Manifesto. And I have to be honest, I have not read all through this book yet. I just picked it up a couple days ago after she called me excited about it and some of the information that was found in it. 
And uh, his books are very good. They're very relevant and they give you a good historical tie-in as well as a Jewish background in what's going on in America. So I highly recommend his books and uh, what he presents. And um, so what I found uh, looking through the book quickly after she gave me a little a summary of what she was finding in it. And again, I, I don't think I would have picked this book up because I have so many of his books already. But she told me what this book was about. And it's about the pro-life battle that we're pursuing right now in this nation. And there's some extremely interesting information in this book. And I'm turning to, uh, so of course I found it. I I kind of skimmed through the book to find this the basic or the baseline information uh, that this book is about. And it's around chapter 22 and 23 of the book. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read chapter 22 and a little bit of 23. And it, they're, they're short chapters, so it's not a lot. Okay, so chapter 22 starts like this. It's a dark conception. When abortion began its entrance into American society and law, it did not come at once, but step by step, law by law, and state by state. But there would be another entrance, different from the others. It would not be initiated by a state legislature or a government official. It would begin when a troubled young woman visited the office of a Texas attorney, Henry McClowski. Uh, what was conceived in that office would take years to come to fruition, but when it came, its impact on America culture would be seismic. It would change the lives of millions, born and unborn. The making of Jane Roe. Norma Leah McCorvey was 21 years old when she discovered she was pregnant. It was her third child. She was she had a drinking problem and partook and a lot of illegal drugs. She wanted to abort the baby. McCloskey, McCloskey, excuse me, referred her to two attorneys who were looking for a white pregnant woman to use as the plaintiff in a lawsuit that they wanted to mount over abortion. Upon meeting with them, McCorvey was told that her unborn child was just a piece of tissue. She agreed to become their plaintiff believing it would allow her to continue to drink and partake of drugs without having to worry about her unborn child. The Jubilee of Roe versus Wade. Now here's our Jewish term, Jubilee, 50 years, 5-0. The lawsuit was filed against uh, Dallas uh, County District Attorney Henry Wade, representing the state of Texas. McCorvey was given a new name, for the purpose of the suit, Jane Roe. So the suit would become known as Roe versus Wade. Though the case would become famous because of the 1973 Supreme Court ruling bearing the same name, it did not begin in 1973. And this is the part to pay particular uh, attention to. It began in the same critical year in which abortion began its entrance into America. Roe versus Wade was filed in 1970. Thus, the year 2020 
was not only the jubilee of the year in which abortion on demand was set in motion in America, it was also the jubilee of the year that Roe versus Wade was set in motion. In other words, 50 years after Roe versus Wade began in the jubilee of its conception, the plague came upon America. A month of conception, January 1970, January 2020. Roe versus Wade began with that meeting in McCloskey's office. When did it take place? It happened in January 1970. 50 years forward from that meeting takes us to January 2020, the jubilee of Roe versus Wade. January 2020 was the month that the plague began in America. It was the jubilee of the month that Roe versus Wade also began in America. The most accurate reports put that initial meeting between McCorvey and McCloskey in late January of 1970. That would put its jubilee in late January of 2020. And so the plague entered America in late January of 2020. Month of fruition, March 1970, March 2020. The meeting of McCorvey and McCloskey was the critical moment in the conception of the lawsuit that would alter America his, America's history. Two months later, it would come to fruition when the case known as Roe v. Wade was filed against the state of Texas. It was filed in March 1970. Fifty years from the filing takes us to March 2020. So to the plague came to fruition in America, following at full force and impact in March 2020, when America went into a state of emergency, lockdown, and paralysis. It all happened in the jubilee of the conception and fruition of the lawsuit that would become famous as Roe v. Wade. We have again seen the principle of restitution, life for life, but what about the jubilee's other work? that of restoration and redemption. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That too would manifest. It would come as had the plague with precision at that appointed times. And I'm just going to read two more paragraphs here. This is in chapter 23, a case of nullification. We have seen that the Jubilee is a two-sided phenomenon. To the one who has taken or occupied the ancestral land of another, the jubilee takes away. But to the, to the one who has lost it, the jubilee restores. Each of the two sides involves a return and an undoing of what was done. But one manifests in the form of restitution, judge, uh, justice, and judgment, and the other in the form of restoration and redemption. The other side. We have seen the first side in the form of the plague and its taking away of life from the generation that had taken away life. But what about the other side of the restoration and the redemption? What about an undoing that brings not death, but life? The Jubilee of 2020 saw death moving across the land. Could there have been another moving, not of death, but of life? And this is where we're going to begin our story here with my daughter. But before I move on to my daughter, I want to point out something. And this will be in the notes. Um, you guys, 
maybe the listeners may remember last spring, my family and I participated in Maine's uh, individual battle in uh, LD1619, which was essentially full-term abortion in the state of Maine, where we had a historical record number of testimonies given. And I believe it's probably historical across all states that would have to be researched, but we're talking 675 testimonies given. And we did a, a past whistleblower report on that faith segment. And I will attach that segment and go listen to it. It was very good. Well done. All, but before I move on, I want to talk about the plague that entered America. It's only so fitting that the plague was a born, it was born in a aborted fetal tissue. And this can be seen easily as the Pfizer documents have been released. And there's astounding things found out there on all the ingredients and how it was made, how many deaths were found in the trial, how many people injured in the trial. But I'm going to touch on just one document, which is attached uh, to will be attached to these show notes. And you can look at this yourself. OK, if you look at it's P.F. 0730-2048. It's called Structural and Biophysical Characterizations of SARS-CoV-2 Spike Glycoprotein, uh, parentheses P2S for spike protein, as a vaccine antigen. That's the name of the document. When you go into the document and you go into, let's see here, it's on page six. And you go to paragraph three, tac two, which is dot two, uh, P2S, expression and purification. To express SARS-CoV-2 P2S encoded by BNT, Bravo November Tango, 162 Bravo 2, which is, stands for BioNTech, for biophysical characterization, a gene encoding the full-length SARS-CoV-2 spike and then parentheses, gene bank MN908947 with two pro lines substituted at uh, residues 986 and 987, followed with C-terminal HRV3C protease site and twin strep tag was cloned in a modified PC DNA vector with the CAG, C-A-G, CAG promoter the twin strep tag P2S, which stands for the spike protein, the S there, was expressed in XB293F cells. And that's the interesting paragraph that I want to present to you. The XB293F cells can be found on Thermal Fisher's website, XB293F, you can look it up on your own cells catalog, and you can purchase this promoter kit where you can grow whatever you want to grow in these fetal cells. So there it is. The plague would come out of an abortion. And that's why we had such a battle on the First Amendment, and that's what was done there. And this only makes sense with what Jonathan Kahn presents in this book, that we are in the Jubilee of Roe versus Wade. So with that, no further ado here, I want to present my daughter, Anna Gary, who is on the front lines of this fight. 
But before she goes right into the front lines of this fight and what she's doing with the, uh, the pro-life movement, she had she her first step into this was to bring forth the first high school turning point chapter to the state of Maine. Anna, do you mind telling everybody how you got into this with turning point? Not at all. I'd be very glad to share that. So my name is Anna. I'm 19 years old. I've only kind of been like in this movement for like a year and a half. I kind of got started um, through Turning Point USA's America Fest in 2022. Um, when I went, it was really eye-opening for me. The event kind of just like inspired me. It was super inspiring for me to see thousands of college and high school students that were involved in the conservative movement and actually cared about issues that I hold near and dear, um, like the issue of life, um, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, like what our declaration is based off of. And so the first time I went, there were about 12,000 people there, and it was amazing to see so many people um, at this one event that truly cared. And so from that event, I started a Turning Point USA chapter which I would call like a hybrid chapter. Turning Point calls it an activism hub, um, meaning it was a homeschool slash community chapter. I wasn't basing my club out of a school and it was open to high school and college students. So I run a Turning Point USA chapter with about 25 high school and college students. And what that what Turning Point does through Turning Point chapters is they encourage students like me to promote the freedom of speech, um, fiscal responsibility, and conservative values like pro-life, anti-transgenderism, um, and what it means to be a true American. And so I've got 25 students that are leading that chapter. We meet um, twice a month, every other week, and we talk about these things. We'll focus on learning why like socialism is bad or what we can do to get more involved in the pro-life movement how we can make a difference in our community, and then learning all the things that school isn't teaching us about being a patriotic American instead of love the indoctrination that happens in the schools. Because Turning Point's ultimate goal is to fight against, we'll take the offense against indoctrination that is happening in the schools. Because um, I don't know, maybe most of you know just how bad the schools are now with what they're teaching to students. I personally have been on college students and I've talked to a lot of college students and been sworn at, flipped off, called horrendous names, had things ripped out of my hands and had flyers ripped up in front of me because of students that could not handle the idea of free speech. Um, so through my getting involved in Turning Point USA, I was also made aware of many other organizations that are very active in the conservative movement. Um, a couple of those being the Leadership Institute and the Susan B. Anthony List. So I like to think of Turning Point USA as like the gateway organization in, into the movement because Turning Point is super exciting, super fun. They get everyone together, they throw like a big party and they have you celebrate being an American. And then they teach you all these great things and then send you back out um, into the world. And then while you're there, you make tons of friends. And so I made a lot of friends through Turning Point who introduced me to other organizations that are a little bit more hardcore in the movement. So like the Leadership Institute focuses on training conservative movement, uh, conservative, well, conservative students on 
how to actually make a difference in public policy, how to run for office, how to lead a chapter, how to speak better, how to present better arguments when talking with those that have different beliefs than you. Um, and then the Susan B. Anthony list, which I found out from my friend Aaron Carlson, um, they are a 501c4 organization where their ultimate goal is to flip votes in elections for the pro-life cause. So what they will do is they'll get together a bunch of college students and they'll fly them down to a state. Say so we'll use Ohio. So last year, Susan B. Anthony List got together a bunch of students and flew them down to Ohio during um, issue one. Because what Ohio had going on then was they were trying to make a constitutional amendment to their state's constitution um, that would legalize abortion to the point of birth. And then it would also strip away parents' rights when dealing with abortions and gender or sex changes. Um, so a parent wouldn't be allowed to tell their student no if they, they're minor, um, no if they wanted to go get an abortion or if they wanted to get a sex change, which opens up a whole world of abuse and craziness because um, say a teacher could take your little girl to go get a sex change because they were like a tomboyish little girl, kind of like how I was growing up. Um, and they could get away with that. You couldn't stop them if you were the parent. Um, or even they could do it without you even knowing. Um, so this law was allowing for abortion all the way up to the point of birth and abortion and sex changes without parental permission. And it was going to end up in their constitution. So the Susan B. Anthony list is one of these organizations that takes action and is on the front lines in situations like this. So they deployed about, they had like three deployments that happened. They deployed 60 students in my deployment down to Ohio. We were there for five days and we were door knocking. We door knocked 23,000 doors in three days as a group of 60 students. So from 9 a.m. in the morning until 6 a.m. at night, there were 60 college students out knocking doors, trying to change hearts and minds. Um, so a lot with this issue, there was a lot of misinformation that was going around in Ohio. And previously, before issue one had been brought up, they had a different issue one that was happening, um, which caused a lot of confusion because this issue one dealt with something that was more specified towards women. So I had a lot of people that were telling me, oh, I didn't know that the issue one dealt with this. I thought it dealt with this. I'm like, well, actually, that was your last issue one. So when I was knocking doors and talking to people, for the most part, they, had, they didn't really know what I was talking about or they thought something completely different about the bill. Um, and there were a lot of pastors that had actually been promoting issue one is a very good thing. So I had a lot of people who were telling me, oh, but my pastor said this. And that this will make um, things so much better for women, that women will have more rights. Um, and then this is good for your kids. And so I had a lot of people telling me that their pastors were telling them that they should vote yes on issue one. And so I had to lay out the policy and what the bill specifically said to people um, and how it would affect um, them personally, which it's actually kind of uh sad because technically we're supposed to be um canvassing for like the pro-life cause we're supposed to be saving babies and trying to 
keep issue one from passing in order to save babies' lives. But actually what angered people more was finding out that they would lose parental rights. Um, so when I was talking to people, I'd end up more pushing for that. Like, hey, somebody could do this with your living kid. Um, and they'd be more upset about that versus if I was telling them, hey, this will push for abortion all the way up to the point of birth. I think a lot of people have been very desensitized when it comes to the topic of abortion um, and don't care as much anymore. It's been talked about for like 50 years is what we were talking about because um, Roe v. Wade has been, along, been around for that long where I don't think as many people think it's as big a deal as it really is. Um, and some things that kind of like broke my heart when I was talking to people. I had this one lady in Ohio. She was holding her own baby when I was talking to her and she was very, very adamant about how abortion is great for women. We need abortion. I'm going to support this bill. I will always vote in support of abortion. Women need abortion while she was holding her own baby. And I walked away from her house and I was about to cry. Um, I actually called one of my friends later that night and I did cry to her because I couldn't believe that a young woman who's not much older than me could hold her own baby and tell me how important it is for women to have the right to kill their own babies while she was holding her own baby Ugh. but that is one of like my horror stories from that trip I did have a lot of um very good interactions with a lot of people and I made a lot of friends and it was very it, it was great to find out how many students were like me that were out there um trying to change hearts and minds on the abortion issue is I did have some people that I had the ability to pray over when I had knocked their, knocked on their door and they try they changed their mind about the bill and I had the opportunity to pray with them. Well, thank you, Anna. This is the jubilee of the restoration of the younger of the youth of this country, and uh, it's very important that you shared this with everybody out there. Before I go to the break, I want to thank the Truth for Health Foundation donors that have helped us legally and helped our recipients fight these illegal mandates and these fights um, that we shouldn't be having to do. But nonetheless, we are standing up for our constitutional rights. Well, now that you've heard from my daughter, The Players, uh, which is Turning Point, run by Charlie Kirk, which is, seems to be the leader of the conservative movement at the moment, because there was 15,000 people at this last uh, America Fest held in Phoenix, Arizona, which was bigger than CPAC in the RNC. And you also have been made aware of the Susan B. Anthony and the Leadership Institute and what they are doing to help the cause uh, for life in this country. As you can see, there is a movement among the youth for life. And we'll be back right after the break. Check out the new Truth For Health store at truthforhealthstore.com. We have exclusive professional formulas with exciting new products, including True Mitochondrial Boost, that can help improve your energy, memory, focus, and concentration. All of our products are manufactured in certified uh, 
compliant facility using good manufacturing practices approved and inspected by the FDA. Check us out, www.truthforhealthstore.com. Welcome back to the second half of our show. This is the Whistleblower Report, and this is another faith segment. We are talking about the sanctity of life and fighting back against the evil uh, pro-abortion uh, crowd that's out there in America. We had mentioned that this is a jubilee, 50 years of Roe versus Wade, the, the plague that hit America, plague of fear, pandemic, whatever you want to call it was actually a jubilee, a restitution, judgment, and also the jubilee can be about uh, restoration and redemption. And my daughter is a part of that movement, the restoration and redemption of America's youth and moving out of the wilderness. If you think about it, this is like the wilderness and the Israelites that wandered. The generation of Israelites that went into the desert weren't allowed to cross over to the promised land. They all had to die, except for Joshua, Caleb. They were allowed to bring the new generation, the generation of restoration and redemption into the promised land. And I think America is in a time like that. Things are changing rapidly. Nothing makes sense. Uh, for a time during the COVID mandates, nobody followed the laws of the land. So everything uh, got stuck in paralysis or chaos, depending at where you were at. Certainly in my situation, I got stuck in chaos where I, I lost my profession and had to make drastic changes in my life. But some people have lost loved ones during this time. So this has been an interesting time in America, and we're kind of coming out of the thaw or thawing out of the uh, the denial phase of what just transpired. It was like a, a, a national assault, like a big molesting of the country that transpired the last three years. And I think the Jubilee uh, answer here, the restitution judgment, and uh, is a great example or a great explanation in Jonathan Kahn's book, The Josiah, excuse me here, The Josiah Manifesto. So my daughter has been active, extremely active, bouncing around from uh, these groups that have been pursuing these righteous causes and righteous fights. For example, she had mentioned on the other side, uh, uh, first half of the uh, of this show that she's part of Turning Point. Charlie Kirk, who's doing amazing things with Turning Point and the youth in America. I think he's energized it and made it ready for other battles like the Susan B. Anthony um, and the Leadership Institute, which are pursuing these pro-life uh, fights across the nation. What essentially has happened since the overturning of Roe versus Wade, it has passed it down to all 50 states and we're having a battle, 50 different battles in this country. Not all of them have undertaken this battle yet, but I guarantee they're coming. So my daughter has been deploying from state to state with these different groups that are pursuing these battles. 
And not only is my daughter doing this, she is taking friends, which are of the youth peer group uh, that she's a part of. And they're having tremendous testimonies from these events. So hopefully this is exciting news for everybody out there. And this shows a way to get involved, getting excited, and actually take the fight to the enemy's doorstep instead of having the enemy bring it to us like we did in COVID. We were paralyzed in fear and the enemy took territory, took ground in the, in the way of taking our rights away. Well, it's time to battle for those rights. This country was born out of a righteous rebellion. Remember that, that no government is above God. God is above all. And we know what Jesus says about the children. He says, come to me like a child with a blind faith. And anybody that violates one of these would better be have a millstone tied around their neck and cast to the sea. So these are very, um, that's a warning to take very seriously of how Christ, the creator, what he thinks about children. So anyway, I'll have my daughter explain some of the most recent escapades she's been on, starting with North Carolina. Go ahead, Anna. Tell the audience. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier that I'm involved with the Susan B. Anthony list. So shortly after I was done my deployment in Ohio, they asked me if I would become an ambassador, well, student ambassador with the organization, which entailed me recruiting for future deployments. So back in November, they let me know that they were going to have some winter deployments in North Carolina. So Charlotte, North Carolina, more specifically. Um, and so because it is 2024, the deployments this year are focusing on the upcoming presidential election. And when I went to North Carolina, it was a couple weeks ago, it was before the primaries. So Susan B. Anthony won't endorse a specific candidate until after the primaries. But when we were in North Carolina, we were talking to voters and the goal was to convince voters to vote for someone other than Biden. So we want them to vote for a pro-life candidate, but for the most part, we were trying to discourage them for discourage them from voting for a pro-abortion candidate. So that was Joe Biden. But also state on the state level, we were talking to them about the current governor, um, Governor Roy, don't remember his first name sorry. Um, and then we were talking to them about their attorney general, Josh Stein, who will be running for governor um, in this upcoming cycle. And so attorney general Josh Stein, what he had done in that state, because recently North Carolina had passed a bill um, allowing abortion only up till up until 12 weeks. So they limited abortion down to 12 weeks, which is good. I mean, it'd be better if it was limited to never if you were never allowed to have an abortion but it's okay because it's progress we're making progress um and that is much better than a lot of other states but due to the limitations a lot of women cannot receive abortions cannot go kill their kids after that point and as attorney general josh stein is supposed to uphold these laws 
Now, he's very openly pro-abortion or pro-choice, whatever you want to call it, but I'm going to call it pro-abortion because that is the reality of it. Um, He would not uphold his position as eternal general as attorney general to prosecute those performing abortions after 12 weeks. So he's a track record of not upholding the law that he's sworn in to defend. And he is running for governor in North Carolina. So we were out there educating voters on Josh Stein and on Joe Biden. I mean, I don't really need to give you statistics on what Joe Biden has done because everyone knows it at this point. Um, trying to discourage them from voting for these people. Now, while I was there, um, I brought several of my friends down with me um, as I was asked to recruit for this trip because that's my job as an ambassador. So I recruited like three other people. They're coming from Maine and Massachusetts. And they said they had an excellent time doing this, that it really made them feel like they were actually making a difference because a lot of people want to get involved but don't know where to start. Um, So like a lot of my friends are passionate about... um, about the cause, but they don't really know what to do about that. Because you can sit around and talk about it. You can complain about it. You can do all these things without actually doing anything. And so I brought them down with me and they're like, this is great. I'm really glad you invited me out to this because I had the opportunity to actually try and change people's minds um, so that we can actually end up voting in laws and politicians that will protect the right to life in America. Um, for the most part on this trip, I didn't have, most people agreed with me. If they didn't agree with me, for the most part, they told me to F off and get off their lawn. Um, which normally we're not on their lawn. We try to respect people as best as possible using walkways, um, and not standing on their porch, all these things, try to be as respectful as possible, um, because we are on their land. But at the end of this trip, came back home. And literally like three days after, I flew back down to D.C. And when I was in D.C., I was there for the March for Life. Um, So special thank you to the Leadership Institute for flying me down there. Because the Leadership Institute has a program. It's called the Christian Leaders Program. Um, It's meant specifically for Christian students that are very involved with them. And they provide really great opportunities for us but mostly opportunities for us to get together and network and get to know each other so that we have a network of students who are doing the same things for the same reasons across the country so because of that program i have many student uh, many friends in, in college who are very active um in the conservative movement but they're also really really strong christians So the reason for their activism is because of their faith. So this organization provided us with the opportunity to attend the March for Life this year. And they flew us down. They provided us with lodging and food, um, all these things, which I'm really grateful for. Um, I didn't think I was going to have something like this provided to me, but I'm very grateful for it. And so me and my friend Christina... We went down to the March for Life, and a couple days beforehand, I saw that the White Rose Resistance was looking for volunteers for on the day of the March for Life. Now, if you're not familiar with the White Rose Resistance, uh, I have another organization I'm about to tell you all about. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> the white um the white rose resistance was started about a year and a half ago by a man named Seth Seth Gruber. Maybe you're familiar with him. He's a very well-known voice in the pro-life movement, especially since he's like the only man in the pro-life movement that is really, really speaking out against this. Because um, a lot of men are told, if you don't have a uterus, you don't have an opinion, no voice. Um, but he's been speaking for like 10 years um, about this issue. And a year and a half ago, he started the White Rose Resistance. Now, the meaning behind the name White Rose Resistance originates from 1942. Now, during 1942, Hitler was reigning over Germany. So the so this is kind of cool because the White Rose Resistance now is a reboot of the original White Rose Resistance that took place in Nazi Germany in 1942. At that time, there was a brother and sister duo. Sophie and Hans Scholl, who started the original White Rose Resistance. And their White Rose Resistance was to resist against the tyranny of Hitler in Nazi Germany and the fact that they were genociding millions of Jews and anyone else that did not fit their, like, category of human. So anyone that was uh, labeled subhuman by Hitler in Nazi Germany. Now... Sophie and her brother Hans distributed many uh, leaflets and pamphlets that they created themselves pertaining information to resist um, to resist Hitler and giving them information on how Nazi Germany actually worked. And this organ this like resistance lasted about two years, and because Sophie and Hans. Uh, Sophie and Hans were caught in the act of distributing these leaflets and they were beheaded. Now, I have a quote from Sophie. Um, something she stated before she died was, we are German and we are Christian. Therefore, we are responsible for Germany. Now, the same could be said today. We are American and we are Christian. Therefore, we are responsible for America. Seth Gruber took these words and the original meaning behind the original White Rose Resistance and rebooted it for our time now. Now, the original White Rose Resistance was to resist against the tyranny of genociding Jews and lab labeling them as subhuman or not persons, therefore justifying their murder of them. And now that sounds familiar because the normal, the new White Rose resistance um, is focused on resisting the tyranny of the genocide of unborn babies that we've labeled as subhuman, not person, not human, whatever you want to say, um, therefore justifying our murder of our preborn. Not only does this organization focus on that specific issue, but it also encompasses resisting the transgender, the transing of kids tyranny that is taking place, and anything else that strips away the right to life or harms children, um, because you can't focus on one of those specific issues. You can't just stay in the lane of being pro-life, because if you're pro-life, you're also pro-kid, and you're also... Um, pro-liberty and all these other things so my friend christina and i volunteered for this organization 
And on the day of the March for Life, we handed out thousands of signs um, to attendees of the March. Uh, we were out there from like 9 a.m. till, oh man, it was like four. Um, and it was dumping snow. Like we had a great time. Um, we met so many people. I mean, we got sworn at by lots of natives of D.C., um, which is fine. Anna, I have a quick question here. Did you hand out the most signs? <laughs> See, I've been uh, trained by the Leadership Institute in Turning Point USA on how to be a good recruiter and how to table very well. So I took those skills with me to the march. And I might have handed out more signs than anyone else who was volunteering for the resistance. The reason why I'm asking here is I know my daughter. She's highly competitive and she always likes to be the best at everything. So I am certain she handed out the most signs on the March for Life of 2024. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there for the audience. I thought you might find it amusing. Uh, she doesn't have to be the only one. She needs more competition for next year. So if you got anybody that likes to hand out signs, send them to the March for Life. <laughs> Go ahead, Anna, finish your story. I was trying not to be conceited. I mean, I'd see like a college group coming in. I figured out where all the college students were coming from and the buses were dropping them off in droves. And I'd like go and attack their group and give them signs. Um, and by the end of it, I got asked if I'd be an ambassador, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, we handed out tons of signs and we got to march during the march and hold like the big banners in the front. So if you actually like, I don't know if the March for Life has a website, but they have an Instagram page and they've got videos um, showing the march and all these things happening there. So you can actually, you should be able to spot a bunch of our signs everywhere. Um, so we have big banners and big flags and we handed out so many signs. Um, we There are so many people carrying them and they said, death is not welcome here. And life is our revolution, which is a different edgier message than most pro-life organizations go for. But I think it might be the level of intensity that we need in the movement because we are living in a culture of death now. And we as Christians do need to say that death is not welcome here. And that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I don't know how I was going to end this. <laughs> um, so while we were at the march, there were tens of thousands of people there. It was really inspiring to see how many people um, came down to the march and walked with us in the snow. It was really cold. Like, it was really cold. I was layered up. And many other people were, like, freezing. But they're willing to march with us and rally for life, walking throughout the snow, despite how, like, cold it was out. And so this is something I'm hoping happened after the Walk for Life. As seeing that many activists, people that were there rallying for life, I'm, like, hoping and praying everyone went home and did something after it is really crazy and cool to see that many people that are involved but it really doesn't do much unless you go home and you go and try to make a difference in your community so i can use like an example right here in the state of maine right now some there's this bill that went in for a hearing on monday it's called ld 780 what this bill entailed 
Um, well, the, the bill is proposing a constitutional amendment to Maine state constitution, um, allowing, well, it would enshrine abortion into our state constitution as a person's right. Now, it is not your right to murder somebody. Our rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life being the most important, because you cannot have liberty or happiness without having life. It is not your right to take somebody else's life. That is not your job. It is not your decision. I mean, you could say it's up to that person themselves to choose whether they get to live or not, but I don't even fully agree with that. Um... But if you're going to be pro-choice, it should be, what choice are you pro? If you're actually pro-choice, well, what would the baby choose? Would the baby choose to die? Or would the baby choose to live? And I'm going to bet that the baby would choose to live. But anyway, the state of Maine is trying to enshrine abortion into our state constitution as a person's right. Me and what five or six others of my turning point chapter students um ranging from ages 13 to 20 we showed up at the capitol building and testified against this bill now judging by the amount of people that were there it seems like there's about a 50 50 show up so there's about 50 percent of the people there were pro-abortion and the other 50 percent were pro-life which is cool because we weren't totally imbalanced like i thought because planned parenthood is trying to do this whole rally and um, to rally everyone up at the cap at the Capitol building to stand for abortion or reproductive justice, as they call it, or reproductive rights, um, which your reproductive right slash reproductive choice was in the bedroom when you consent to having sex with somebody, you have consented to having their kid, which I think people need to be educated on, because if you or to get somebody in bed, you need to accept the fact that you could potentially have a kid out of this. You do not have the option to then kill the kid after you've made the mistake of getting together with somebody in bed. Um, so that's where like the reproductive rights movement should go. Like if you want reproductive choices, that was your reproductive choice. You don't have reproductive choices after you have reproduced. Um, but anyway, LD 780 in the state of Maine, if our legislators vote yes on this and it passes, it will then, because we need two-thirds majority from the House in order for it to pass, and then it will turn into a referendum question on our ballot in 2024, and so the people will have to vote on it. And does this sound familiar to you? Because this is exactly what happened in Ohio last year with their issue one, which sadly was voted in. So abortion was enshrined into the constitution of the state of Ohio. And right now Maine's trying to do the same thing. So we can't let this happen. Everybody needs to be energized and get into the game and join the fight. My daughter has mentioned several organizations that are pursuing this fight, this righteous cause. And just a little more information or a reminder, last spring, 
when we pursued this fight against LD-1619, we had the pro-abortion group outnumbered 50-60 to 1 when we had a historical record number of testimonies, 675 in-person testimonies and nearly a couple thousand uh, letter testimonies. And there was probably a total of three to 5,000 people there at some point, or at least over the course of that couple days. Uh, if we would have been allowed to have our full testimony time, we would have taken we would have taken about three days. We would have gone over into a third day if we would have been given our full time, but they cut us down. And in the middle of the night, when most everybody for the pro-life side had left, they had cornered a couple of the Democrats that were favoring voting for life. Uh, the Planned Parenthood was allowed in to bully them into uh, voting for 6019 here in Maine. And so probably is like across the other states in this country. So be aware of that. That's what went on here. The people chose life in the state of Maine, even though it's perceived as a blue state. We chose life and our representation uh, went against us and chose uh, for abortion. So that's what went on here. I want to thank the donors. Uh, thank you very much for your gracious donations. And those donations have been put to good use for righteous fights uh, against illegal mandates and other things. And of course, now we're looking to pursue Federal False Claims Acts with all the vaccine injured or remdesivir injured people out there. This is our newest thing that we're pursuing. Uh, we have a vaccine injury database and there's a way to sign up or sign into that da database. If you go to vaxdamage.com, uh, excuse me, .org, you can uh, fill out an injury report and we will be calling you. Um, also go to www.truthforhealth.org, join our crusade. We are silent no more. Sign up for our email alerts. Check out all our resources that we provide from medical advice to ministry help and constitutional right information. As you know, we are adapting with the times and pursuing all these righteous fights. This is Mike Gary signing off. Thank you for joining us today on the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org. Join our crusade. We are silent no more. We urge you to sign up for our email alerts, donate to support our legal defense work to secure the human and civil rights secured by law, and to live our lives in accordance with the U.S. Constitution and God's truth. We are here to bring you hope and solutions for such a time as this. With all that is assaulting our way of life, join us and stand strong against the lies and deception and speak out, get loud, get involved. God bless you and thank you for joining us.